You're listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to the podcast and connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org. May you be blessed by the hearing and reading of Scripture and the meditation on the Word. Have a good day. Well, we are blessed and honored today to have our guest speaker. His name is Reverend Jay Williams. He's the Associate Pastor of Youth and Young Adult Ministries at Mosaic United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City. He was born and raised in Oklahoma. He's from Wawoka, Oklahoma. He's graduated from Oklahoma City University recently, and he's headed to Vanderbilt this fall. Will you please welcome Reverend Jay Williams? That'll do it. Test, test. One second here. There we go. It is good to be here. Can you guys hear me? Okay, good, good. It's good to be here with you all. Um, Happy 4th of July. Again, my name is Reverend Jay Williams. Um, I do come from you, uh, from Mosaic, Uh, come to you from Mosaic. And uh, I've spent some years in Oklahoma City headed off to Nashville at the end of this month uh, to continue my education, to receive a master's in divinity so I can continue out um, doing the work that God has called me to, um, prophetic ministry and um, uh, loving on God's people. Our scripture reading comes to you today from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 9 through 15. Hear these words. About noon the following day, As they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the rooftop. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open up and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. The Lord of life for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I ask that you join me in prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. God, is so good to be gathered here with your people on this Sunday. I ask that the word of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing to you. Amen. Just a year after the landmark Supreme Court victory on marriage equality, making marriage equality 
the law of the land, American singer-songwriter Alicia Keys. Anybody familiar with Alicia Keys in here? Oh yeah. I really love her a lot and her work. But she released an empowering anthem that the world, and frankly, the, the church, our faith as we know it, could spend a little more time reflecting on. In the song, Holy War, it's a tribute to Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech, delivered in 1963. And it's a song that begs for understanding and compassion to win out over the destructive forces of hate, ignorance, and violence, and greed. And as we are gathered here today, I invite us to reflect on some of those lyrics, but I promise not to sing them to you. So hear these words. If war is holy and sex is obscene, we have it twisted in this lucid dream, baptized in boundaries, schooled in sin, divided by difference, sexuality, and skin, so we can hate each other, so we can fear each other, build these walls between each other. Blow by blow, brick by brick, we keep ourselves locked in, ourselves locked in. We've really gotten things wrong, haven't we? The song continues, though, with a hopeful and inspiring message that I can only perceive as a glimpse into heaven if we sincerely allow ourselves to be transformed by the work of the Spirit. Listen to the song continue. What if war... What if sex was holy and war obscene and it wasn't twisted? What a wonderful dream. Living for love, unafraid to the end. Forgiveness is our only real revenge. So we can heal each other. So we can fill each other. We can break these walls between each other, blow by blow, brick by brick. We keep ourselves open, ourselves open. A wonderful dream indeed. And this morning we encounter Peter in one of my favorite passages of the whole New Testament, outside of the Gospels, of course. But Peter himself is about to have a wonderful dream, one that would lead Peter to a wonderful and radical transformation. So allow me to set the stage for you. Like Paul and all of Jesus' disciples, Peter is, has been traveling from city to city, spreading the gospel. And in true Jesus fashion, Peter's life was dedicated to ministry. He was out in the world liberating people. He had just previously healed a paralyzed man that made uh, his ailment made him immobile for several years. And just after that, he was called to a different city where he raised up a woman for, from dead, a woman that was so important to her community and serving those around her. 
And surely, after lifting this woman from the dead, he was sure to face more questions and have more opportunities to be in ministry. So as the scripture begins, it's about lunchtime. And Peter is now sitting on a rooftop, trying to pray while hungry. Sounds like a pretty difficult task, if you ask me. He had to be exhausted. I mean, as much as I love ministry, and as much as I love preaching on Sunday mornings, my favorite part of ministry is my post-church naps on Sunday. So I have twin nephews who I've adopted recently, um, and every Sunday, this is our ritual, we go get some food, we eat, I go home, turn off my phone, and I tell them, do not wake me up unless someone calls, right? Because ministry, as much as I love it, is so exhausting. So I relate to Peter here. But not only is Peter exhausted, he's also hungry. And what does one do when they're hungry and tired? They dream about food. And that's himself. In this dream, or in this vision, if you will, Peter sees all these different types of food and a voice telling him to get up and eat. Peter, being Jewish, being part of the Jewish faith, protests because none of the food presented in that sheet, in that vision, fell within his strict kosher diet. Wait a minute, God. Eating those things are incompatible with my religious teaching. Those foods are impure. I have never, and I plan to never, associate myself with such impurities. And then the voice said to Peter, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Do not call anything impure that God has made, period. Peter, at this point, is in and out of consciousness, trying to make sense of this vision. And knowing the track records of the disciples, much like us today, they often get it wrong. So the Spirit, to help Peter out a little bit, led Peter to be in community with folks that would hopefully help him break down those walls he had put up. And hopefully he could get it right this time. The Spirit led Peter into community with the Gentiles, people that his religious, religious tradition didn't necessarily associate themselves with, people that his religious tradition often labeled unclean, outside of the scope of God's love. And in that moment, Peter witnessed something entirely different. The Spirit began to work in his life and the lives of those around him. What he recalls later on in the chapter is that while he and his friends were gathered with the Gentiles, they witnessed the Spirit fall upon the Gentiles just like it had done in, in the previous chapter during Pentecost. 
And in that moment, Peter had a revelation. His dream had nothing to do with the foods that he was consuming. The dream had nothing to do with his kosher law, but everything to do with the way that he was treating people and the way God was calling him to be in community with people. And despite the complicated history between the Jews and the Gentiles, Peter allowed himself to be transformed by the work of the Spirit. And later in the chapter, he makes three points about his revelation. Again, points that I think our denomination and us as a society can spend a little more time reflecting on. He says, first, God has made no partiality. Then he goes on to say, God tells us not to call anything unclean that God has made clean. Unfortunately, that's not how we've operated in the past. And to that point, Peter asks the question, who am I to hinder the work of God? See, in our world, and in our church even, we have had a complicated history with labeling people unclean and keeping them out of ministry and out of our churches and out of service to God, thus trying to hinder the work of God. We have had votes. We have had meetings about the sanctity of people of color, about women leading in our congregations, and the list can go on and on. And in that, we hinder the work of God. We say God is not big enough to work through the lives of people that aren't like us, that are different, or people that we don't necessarily understand. But following the lead of the Spirit, Peter's circle began to expand. His mind and his heart began to open to the diversity of God's people. He was confronted with his own ignorance, and then was allowed to work through the biases and assumptions that he held about other people, particularly those that were upheld by his faith. And unfortunately, the exact thing is happening in our church today. We, for far too long, have shown partiality where God has not, labeling folks unclean, casting them and their needs aside if they don't fit within the box we have created. We, for too long, have neglected the gifts and graces of marginalized people, keeping them from living out their call and hindering or trying to hinder the work of God. We, for too long, have called queer folks unclean profane, and have closed ourselves and our churches off from the transformational work of the Spirit because of long-held biases and isms within our faith tradition. My question for us, as a people and as a people of faith, is how can we expect to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world if we ourselves do not allow ourselves to be transformed by the work 
of the Spirit. I was a poor, black, queer kid growing up in rural Oklahoma. Everything in society and everything in the church, for that matter, all those things that they taught me about myself, about my poorness, my blackness, and my queerness, it was all negative. It's no wonder why I grew up hating myself, especially when I came to terms with my sexuality. Although I carried my Bible everywhere and read it every day like the good Christian boy that I wanted to be, at night I cried myself to sleep, begging God not to hate me, begging God to fix me, and eventually God did fix me, but not in the way that I think the church would approve of. Following the lead of the Spirit, my circle began to expand. I moved off to the big city, began college, and my heart and my mind was open to God's love for diversity, God's love for God's people. I was confronted with my own ignorance, and I began to work through my own biases, particularly the internalized racism and homophobia that I had inherited from my faith community, the people I loved, the people who first recognized my call and my gift and my graces. I was led to be in community with those inside and outside of the faith who spoke life into my beaten down spirit and affirmed my personhood, and taught me that I didn't have to choose between who I was and who I claimed in my faith. God didn't hate me, nor did I need to be fixed. I was, I am, and I always will be a child of God. And if you needed to hear this today, you were you are and you always will be a beloved child of God. No matter where you come from, no matter what you do, Scripture tells us nothing can separate us from that love. It took me several years to unlearn the harmful and toxic things the world had taught me about myself and many more years of therapy to cultivate self-love. But as I allowed myself to be transformed by the Spirit, I began to read Scripture through a lens of liberation. And like Peter, I had my own revelation. We as Christians have often gotten it wrong, haven't we? We as United Methodists have often gotten it wrong, haven't we? Our faith should be a balm of healing and a force for liberation. But instead, it has been used as a weapon of mass destruction and a force of bondage for so many. There have been times that I've wanted to give up on the church. I've wanted to give up on the faith. But something kept pulling me back, and it was that transformational work of the Spirit God has been calling us to break down walls, and it's important for us to do this for this next generation coming. You know, we have often talked about how the churches are declining, and research shows that we are at an attendance for, uh, in, in America. 
church attendance is at an all-time low, 49%, the lowest it's ever been. And the world is progressing faster than we are able to keep up. I've been at camp all week uh, with some of my kids, and this past week, uh, we kind of talked a little bit about that. One of the things that we talked about was breaking down walls and how God is calling us to show light in the midst of all of the darkness in this world. And I think what's beautiful is that we have a generation of children, of youth and young adults who are committed to this work, that want to see us do well as a church, as a faith community. And so they stay within the church, even though sometimes it causes them harm. And I just want to share, share with you a little story from one of my youth that was at church camp with me this past week. They were asked to serve communion or to help serve communion. They were excited at Mosaic. They get to help with communion every week. But this is some of the reflection that this queer kid had as they were at camp. Day three of camp. Lesson learned. Being able to serve communion with my rainbow pride bracelet on is a big deal. Not everyone gets that opportunity. Thank you everyone who has shown me love and allowed and forced the church to get this far. Friends, Society is progressing. And if the church doesn't do its due diligence in loving all of God's people and loving the people God has entrusted us to, we are sure to face hard times in the future. But these young people inspire so much hope because they are committed to doing the work. And I hope that we join in with where God and the Spirit is leading them. We have been given all of the tools and resources, as that song says from Alicia Keys, so we can heal each other, so we can fill each other, so we can break these walls between each other, blow by blow, brick by brick, we keep ourselves open, open to God's vision of justice. In the world, open to Christ's liberative work in our society, open to the Spirit's transformational work in our own lives. And if we remain committed to those things, we can work together to build the kingdom of heaven on earth as God calls us to. I want to leave you with some more of Alicia's song. To reflect on. And if you haven't noticed, I hope that you get in your cars and go listen to some of this music. She ends the song with this. What if love is holy and hate is obscene? We should give life to this beautiful dream because peace and love ain't so far if we nourish our wounds before they scar. May this be our prayer. In the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's sermon podcast. We hope you have a good week, and we ask that you connect with us online at tahlequahumc.org. Thank you, and have a good day.